you are listening to the art of the matter hosted by arvind vijay mohan ladies and gentlemen welcome to art of the matter a show where we give you an insider's view of all that matters within the indian art world art of the matter is presented to you by india's leading art intelligence firm artery india brought to you in partnership with the country's new meadow uno radio channel red fm in each episode we introduce you to the art world's most interesting personalities raise your knowledge bound all that you need to know from this universe and answer any questions you might have in regard with this fascinating domain on today's episode we speak to the director of one of india's leading museums that showcases a widely eclectic private collection that covers a spectrum of over 500 years of indian history and heritage we discuss the importance of a museum in the indian context the vision of this museum and how the challenges of these times are being addressed therein ladies and gentlemen um, i have a very special guest with us on art of the matter today uh, his name is ashwin rajagopalan he is uh, someone who dons several hats and has been a very very uh, important contributor to the art ecosystem over the past two decades Uh, he runs a very successful uh, art initiative based out of chennai called ashwita uh, which which has i would say introduced several initiatives within the uh, within the art domain which we will speak of uh, but i'm i'm more interested in speaking to ashwin about the role he plays at the piramal museum he's the director there and i'm i'm very keen on on understanding straight from uh, straight from our guest what his thoughts are on the importance of an institution such as such as a museum and the role that it plays within the indian art ecosystem ashwin welcome to the show thanks for having me so ashwin. yeah i'll jump uh, right in uh, yes, and please. try and answer uh, your question so but i'll give you a little bit of a background about the museum uh, so that people understand the context of what we're speaking about yes so you know the museum itself was a initiative that came about after a, a collecting habit was formed Right. So the patrons of the museum, which is the Piramal family led by Ajay Piramal and Dr. Swati Piramal, mm-hmm. around 2008 or 9, very late in the game technically, decided to start collecting artwork. They went from zero to you know building this uh, large collection. A lot of people think that it's a old collection, um, you know, which they built upon. but right. uh, no started from scratch and for some reason unexplained even till now i don't know why i was involved uh, in this process but uh, i started working with the family and looking at art and both of us started to learn uh, about indian art through the process of collecting it wasn't window shopping it was actually you know sitting in the trial room trying on everything seeing the artwork <laughs> physically you know it was that process and 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 time went by and sometime around 2014 15 we were talking and we realized wait a minute we're now this is not a a fun collecting uh thing anymore a lot of the works we have because we went after such quality and and important works we felt that we now have a responsibility that right. responsibility crept in you know and we said hey we can't just keep this in closed walls we need to show this we need to preserve it and it's come to that tipping point where the importance of the artwork is more than our importance like these artworks 
we are now responsible for their care preservation and um uh, you know distribution of its inherent power so to say right mm. artworks have uh, all kinds of things they have emotional responses they have healing responses yes. they have their role in creating a, a dialogue of aesthetics for a whole country yes you know Yes. end of the day uh, whether it's nandalal bose or mf hussain they belong to the country through the larger uh, cultural um, you know dialogue or narrative of this country it's yes. it's like whether you're looking at a church in goa or a temple in tanjore or a, a mosque in delhi they all form part of this country's narrative so in so that light we woke up to the fact that we have an important collection it needs to be shown to the public so how do we go about it and that's mm. when we decided that we will set up our museum space the first challenge was you know what are we going to show how are we going to show it sure. that was very really easy the one thing mr ajay peramal loves is to hear a good story right okay. and he loves the story behind the artwork sure. you know the artist the it's not just about why it was painted or so much as to what is painted mm-hmm. but rather the story behind you know how that work was made right. or where it came from or the journey you know like if if a hosein work on 1951s in the collection mm. he loves to know where it went whose collection was it in which exhibition was it shown in what was the story there what was hosein doing at the time sure. uh, you know and, and same i mean whether it's raza or suza or any of those artists and we also decided that we collect without a established chronology meaning we mm. don't follow the bombay progressives the bengal school we just said let's look at all art in india Hmm. on a very very even plane and let's see what appeals to us aesthetically and right. then arrange it so actually the museum now looks at almost 500 years of indian art right. which all kind of tell the story hmm. on how modern and contemporary indian art have evolved right. so we start as early as the persian miniatures because if you have mogal miniatures and you tell the story of where those came from and those are from persia right so that or that that tradition and uh, so we start there we bring in the story of the miniatures mm. we then move into a lot of traditional art so before uh, colonial influences there was art uh, inherently here and yes. and they were very regional they were very traditional so we document that those influences and then we talk about colonial influences mm-hmm. you know so so we have a, a before and after the canvas kind of a collection uh, we did that and then we told this narrative so that was sorted so the whole story of the museum the idea of the curation what are we going to show what is the focus was very easy that we arrived at very quickly then came the mega challenge of bombay it's specific to bombay right. uh, even uh, people in in delhi and most other cities you know if you're in hyderabad or wherever ahmedabad this space land is not expensive Sure. In, in bombay if you want affordable land i think you have to go to pune or something like that but <laughs> you know like it, it's not anywhere within like 4 hours of the city sure. and if you build a you know the same question do you build a museum in the heart of the city mm-hmm. or do you build a museum so far away that nobody's going to come anyway sure right and in bombay you know the land prices so impossible to build a dedicated museum space sure but at least we were fortunate that at the same time around 2015 mr ajay peramal san anand peramal had started and launched his real estate company right so what that meant was there was suddenly availability of space hmm. but not in your traditional sense of a white cubed museum space sure but at least in terms of walls 
very climate controlled uh, you know spaces which were his showrooms which were the model flats which were uh, large spaces within these uh, developments that they were doing hmm. and it also gave us a, a kind of like a footprint across the city sure. so the museum exists in lower perel yes. which is in midtown it exists in mahalakshmi which is sort of midtown then it you know is there in baikula Yes. which is like heading towards south bombay and then we have a space in thani and in mulur so suddenly our museum took on the model the closest comparison which i would pause probably about is the tate model right where tate has yes. its britain tate modern tate uh, you know in that sense we said okay we don't have one building with many galleries we have many buildings with single galleries or two three galleries so that's how we look at our museum Mm. and it's accessible by all the micro communities in bombay because if you live in thana you live in thana you're you're not going to come to south bombay to go to a museum so we've been doing that and we try and rotate our exhibitions we try and uh, form themes that play around the entire spaces so this right. is what we've done and this is how we operate and that's the background of our uh, museum so to say yeah. right you mentioned that uh, a formal decision as uh, sort of unplanned as it remained uh, came about somewhere in 2014 15 i mean the museum has been no started in 2015 how many works do you uh, do you, do you um, estimate were part of the collection already when this decision was made i mean just to throw some ballpark figures because the way we collected changed and so the numbers changed and what we collected changed so the numbers changed hmm. initially we were looking at two dimensional artwork paintings oil on canvases pretty much right. of paper watercolors at that point in 2015 our collection was probably about 400 to 500 works individual works of art mm. and over time so we run a art residency in thane so as part of I mean, the museum we also have a on one end we are encouraging and and supporting the established art community yeah. we felt that we had to do it for the emerging and upcoming uh, level as well so our residency um, you know it it operates on cycles that are 20 days long right. and it happens about seven times a year and that's been running for about four years now right so on one side we have been actually creating artwork so these artists come in they work uh, it's a completely autonomously run residency even i don't have a say in it you know there's a separate team so that you know i feel guilty that i shouldn't uh, enforce my ideas into a space that we say is actually safe you know and when you live in corporate world and corporate culture half the time they're actually abusing you know it, it's pretty much blaming the goose <laughs> for what it's doing but anyway so they do that we sure. give them that space but artwork was created so they, that the residency collection also has now grown substantially there's about 200 works um, there right. then when we started to expand into uh, archiving you know so we 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 talk about archives not as artworks but they also are equally important historical documents we helped with the digitization of uh, early on the sabawala uh, archive where right. all his diaries and papers and everything was done yeah. uh, we partially uh, did kishan kanna's uh, archive we have also looked at raza's archive from a period between the 50s to the 70s right. uh, so these kind of things came in so the volume started to go up and then we uh, also uh, have what is a, a decorative art collection so it it's a very unique collection called shringar collection which mm-hmm. 
uh, came into uh, our museum acquisition uh, a few years ago right. and, and those are literally a thousand objects you know so so today we've grown into a collection that's uh, pretty much in that 8 9000 objects range so that's the depth of the collection today sure sure um uh you mm. mentioned uh, a that it's 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 a very young collection by by any measure it it's grown exponentially but the uh, the horizon really has been in just over a little you know a decade or so now uh, yep. they came in in 2008 9 which if you know if we as we all remember well was the time when the market had completely uh, crumbled you know the yep. the lehman brothers collapse and uh, the subprime mortgage crisis uh, had resulted in in global havoc financially uh, speaking and also it it coincided with the with the uh, sort of meltdown of the art funds you know the disastrous concept yes. of art funds that were that were floated which meant yes. that there were several works that were available not merely by uh, the contemporaries but also by the masters in the pre moderns which were available was it a, a case of you know suddenly finding access to a, a very significant amount of uh, work uh, which was important in nature at least in part uh that prompted them to to collect with uh, with this degree of passion and uh, aggressiveness very interesting question and i'm going to have to try and answer this carefully not in terms of uh, coming from uh, what i'm saying but rather for people to understand what i am saying sure you have to always look at this collection as being led by an absolutely astute businessman Sure. right so yes. mr piramal whatever said and done is first an entrepreneur of course right? yes and he got into collecting and i and this is a a fun story that i always tell people is because dr swati said you're working too much her problem was that her husband was working too much sure. and and there was a discussion among some friends and and i believe one of them was nitin norya who was the dean of the harvard business school and he said you know what you need to look at art you need to have a hobby you know go find a hobby like you know something that gives you uh, some time to do something other and i think that's when he decided to get into art uh, it happened to coincide with 2008 9 but it also coincided with something else while we understand that there is a global recession uh, timeline at that point his getting into this had nothing to do with that because it was also around 2010 is when he they sold a portion of their pharma company to yes, abbot and that did create a little bit of extra Corp. The other important thing about this: this is entirely uh, a privately held collection under a foundation. It's this is not a corporate collection. This is not CSR money that goes sure. into the artwork. Right. Uh, that's again an important thing that people should understand that this isn't a corporate investment. It's not a corporate collection. Like this has clearly been earmarked for long-term legacy building. Right? Uh, it's not for purpose of investments. Right? So that said, he. he's a very contrarian businessman whatever he does like you know that's the whole thing i mean the people why he is respected uh, you know as a uh, as a leading uh, you know deal maker in india is because he does these deals that nobody is even able to comprehend you know <laughs> like how did he get in and out of vodafone how did he sure. uh, sell uh, you know piramal pharma to abbot for some you know 30 times their kgr or something like that so, and even now like i mean with the current acquisition you know of of uh, dhlf and, and and various things like that so mm-hmm. that came in definitely and and my role you know when we look at artwork 
he has something else that a lot of people don't realize right he has an aesthetic that is driven by his deep faith in his spiritual belief right, right. so right. almost every other day he is he is in uh, involved in spiritual learning he is a very very big follower of the bhagavad gita that's something that uh, is very evident it's not it's not a secret you walk into the offices and there are quotes everywhere the entire architecture of the office is based on nine philosophies that he uh, likes from the bhagavad gita right and so all that enabled him to develop a certain sense of aesthetic right works that were calming works that were beautiful works that uh, you know for him he doesn't like violence so he he never chose works that were brutal that were traumatic that caused pain but rather he looked at works and you know as a person who is an aesthetic i i assume that i'm a educated you know art consultant or an art person and sometimes you're like but no you know like for example themes of 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 poverty like say if you take a shomnath thor and said you know this guy is the greatest indian artist he really looked at poverty he questioned what was happening sure. but the point we don't have the why we don't have shomnath thor is not because of poverty but rather why should we dwell in things that create pain rather we should engage in things that elevate that pain you know and right. he does that mr donald is busy running his uh, you know uh, philanthropic work which you know they feed like 2 million children a day in india uh, you know they do the midday meals they provide water so you know for them removing the pain of everyday life happens in their charities in their philanthropic work right. and it reflects in their artwork so when you saw the artwork you should feel happy sure. you know when that is thing when and, and mr piramal surrounds himself with his artwork and when he sits there he wants to see nice beautiful things sure. and it's possible amongst all the artists who have all the dialogues right they, whether there's gaitan de husain raza suza you know whoever even the bengal school from nandalal bose to up all the works are there but he had that sense of looking at works that were peaceful calm and beautiful right? right so that's how the collection grew and and all of this is happening at a time when people are also and that's where the business side comes in out of cash and the yes. man has cash so he taught me a lot about negotiations uh, that's how i learned you know in the art world uh, it's 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 no secret like how there is a premium for art there is a premium for cash you know simple logic how many meals can anandalal bose painting buy you or how much can 500 rupees now in your hand buy you you know sure. so it's it's a simple thing i mean this I, i suppose that's his philosophy for business that's how he works all this came in at, at the right time and i think uh, he did um, find value in a diminishing economy where people needed liquidity yes. and art provides no liquidity when you need it uh, it will give you liquidity for your great grandchildren but not for you now you know not immediately not in the moment not immediately right yes. for a very lucky few yeah so we collected we did of course um there was a lot of advantage to collect in that period um uh, it, but the interesting thing was if you look at the art market i mean it's not like we went and picked up a, a you know say a 1 crore painting for like 25 lakhs that's not what was happening sure, sure. but it's the same period if you look at uh, you know historically look at data mm. world records were being broken in 2010 11 12 
Sure. You know, the market itself was reacting that way. Like, I mean, people were spending, I think the most expensive, any Gaitan Day, Hussein Raza were all bought in the 2010, 11, 12 periods, right? So it wasn't just our collection that was built at that time. There are also four or five other major collections in India that were built around that same time. Hmm. So um, it's like now the, the COVID era is representing phenomenal boom in the art market. Right, yeah. it's now come to the point where actually collections like ours are not able to acquire at a certain speed because the market's gone nuts. Yes, uh, I mean everything. Whether it's your uh, NFT market that's triggering some kind of a random uh, fuel to the general art world, or the fact that we have forty crore Gaitan Day selling, sure. it's it's creating that boom. So you know, anyway. So all this said and done, that's how um, we looked at collecting. But the key here was only quality, mm. the highest quality works True. that were the most pleasing to mm-hmm. one individual. This collection is built for an individual. Otherwise, there is no uh, collection doesn't have its flavor if it doesn't have an individual's taste sure. you know, embedded into it. So, yeah, highest quality artwork by Indian artists to tell the story of modern Indian art. Mm-hmm. Without regional, uh, you know, compartmentalization, sure. But take the thread across, you know, a period of 60, 70 years. Indians, India's modern art period is actually that long mm. because it starts in the nineteen tens in Bengal and ends in the nineteen sixties in Madras, right? So we tell the entire story of modern uh, Indian art, and sure. and of course every piece was individually looked at. Um, nothing happens on WhatsApp and, uh, you know, internet pictures. Every work is physically looked at before it's added to the collection. A lot of passion, a lot of time and thought went into building this collection. And, and that's how it continues to um, grow. Ashwin, clearly it's a, you know, it's a, it's a project built on the, on the back of passion. And uh, I mean, there is clearly very astute wisdom at play in terms of, you know, bringing business mechanics and, uh, and a certain sense of discipline. With uh, with yeah. collecting, you know, with uh, following a vision that is that is uh, uh, that is sharp. In the current context now, you know, I think uh, what you what you have laid for the public to consume is is clear. And over the past mm-hmm. five years, there have been strides that you have made. In the current context, um, you know, uh, we live in times where uh, public consumption is perhaps at an all time low, and there is a digital overload. Yes. As I understand, the the establishments are presently not available; uh, they are not accessible to the public. What are your thoughts yes. of, uh, of of the current times that we live in, and uh, are there any game plans of uh, of taking you know steps in the digital domain? Last March, when India went into lockdown, hmm. all cultural institutions scrambled because yes. we are dependent on audience, we're dependent on physical interaction. Yes, uh, much like you know movie theaters and and hotels and restaurants. Correct. You can't survive without footfall. Hmm. We did explore digitization. We did explore digital events. Mm. But we ourselves as an organization faced severe fatigue. We just couldn't. Yes. It's very difficult to work remotely when something as simple as, you know, sitting in front of somebody and finishing something, you know, sure. takes a few seconds. Mm. So, yeah, we did have digital pick. And then we realized we couldn't push any boundary. What were we pushing? Mm. By going digital, by even if we created a 3D rendering or something, mm. what were we pushing? You know, nothing. We just, India's cultural sector digitized very fast. 
more content is available online today. Yes. Besides that, there is no other impact or no possible change that is going to happen even in the long run. Sure. Because finally, art, and that's again on the same basis of which I argue about NFTs, hmm. art has to be made. Hmm. Right? Hmm. It has to be created. Yes. And we indulge in it because either we cannot make it or we say what unbelievable amounts of talent went into it. Sure. Right. Um, and, and that can only be physically experienced. Sure. Right. You cannot stand in a VR room on an island and think you're feeling water. You need to stand in the sand and the beach to feel the waves. Right. Sure. So you have to be. So we, we quickly gave up our whole digitization program. Mm. We have no intentions of, of going anywhere there. It's also because we realize that all art will survive entire humanity as we know it today. Sure. So it's such a long drawn game. What is the hurry? You know, let's wait three years from sure. now, four years from now. Maybe by then, you know, uh, this COVID is nothing more than a common cold. Let people come in then and then we'll be ready, you know, with so much learning, with so many new technologies available in a physical space, you know, sure. we possibly could enhance our exhibitions to a different level, you know, so, sure. yeah. No, I hear you. Uh, I think I think you know the point that you made of um, of the novelty value of certain digital uh, progressions that are made. Those may elicit some interest, but ultimately you have to stand in front of a work of art, um, you know. And and when when you think of the kind of initiative that has gone into uh, into building this museum, um, you know, it is a it is it is a legacy, you know, uh, sort of attribute. And there we're talking of centuries forward. Uh, you know, for for posterity, where uh, generations hence will uh, will will have the you know privilege, really, to be able to understand the importance and contribution made by these artists in you know in the in the periods that they were uh, painting. So, um, Ashwin, uh, this has been a fascinating conversation. I'd like to thank you for your uh, for your for your time. Thank you, uh, and I look forward to our next conversation. Thank you thank, so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Ashwin. Now, if there's anything that you wanted to know about Indian art, but have been too afraid to or haven't known whom to ask, look no further. We're right here at your beck and call. Send us an email on contact at arteryindia.com and we'll get our friendly elves to start working on a suitable response to your question right away. Till you hear from us next, here's wishing you all a very happy RT time. And as always, when you think art, Think artery.